listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. Good morning. Y'all doing okay? Yeah? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy past Thanksgiving. Can you believe this already December? That is crazy. Really, it's crazy. So one of our college students, uh, Tatum, I don't know if she's here this morning. She may be home for Thanksgiving. But um, she worked at the church for a little bit this summer in the financial office. And it kind of carried into the beginning of this school year. And uh, during rush week, uh, she was having some crazy hours with working at Rush, and then um, that's not what it's called, recruitment week for the, uh, the girls. There we go. Anyways, she was coming up here late at night to work on the financial stuff, and uh, one night she was in her office and had went to the restroom to get a snack or something and came back, and when she came back to her desk, she realized that the alarm, the church alarm was going off. But if you've you ever been at the church when no one else was here, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you, like, it's kind of creepy, okay? Like, some of the team I work with makes fun of me, but I think it's super creepy when, it, when it's dark and no one's in here. Um, I even grew up, like, at a church. My dad was a pastor growing up, and I still, like, get creeped out in the church when no one's around. And so, anyways, it scared her, the alarm going off. And so the first thing Tatum did was she, uh, I guess, reached in her purse or whatever, and uh, she grabbed some things. And so she opened up the door to come encounter this uh, intruder, and on, and on one hand she had a can of pepper spray, and on the other hand, she had a taser. <laughs> so there's two morals to this story. Number one is don't mess with Tatum because <laughs> she has pepper spray and a taser. She'll hurt you. Um, and the second thing is if you're in a building by yourself you, and the alarm goes off, you should first of all kind of wonder if maybe you're the one that set the alarm off. <laughs> Because that's, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> when Tatum had gone to get her snack or whatever, she set the alarm off. Uh, and so there was actually no one in here. And so I'm sure she had fun explaining that to the police officers that came to rescue her. Um, I tell you that story because I think you know, in this series called False, often when we're kind of in the darkness of Satan's lies and, and the, the trash that he speaks to us or tries to speak to us, it's really, it can be really, really scary but there's no reason to be scared. You, you don't need to live in fear. I shouldn't make too much fun of Tatum because, uh, I, like I mentioned, I still get really creeped out walking through the church at night by myself. Often on uh, Tuesday nights when we finish our uh, college young adult worship gathering, it'll be about 10.45, 11 when I'm heading out. And so everybody's gone. I'm normally the one to set the alarm and whatnot. And... Uh, Often I'm walking through maybe the venue or through the commons, and it's dark. And as I'm walking, uh, all of a sudden I'll remember, okay, I'm walking in the darkness, but I don't have to walk in the darkness because I have a tool with me that can help. What is that? Your phone, right? Whoever put the flashlight on the phone should be rewarded, right? That, that is a great like, that is a great gift from God. I really feel like it. And so I really do. I love, and I'm always like, why would I put this setting on the low setting? I'm bumping it all the way up to the top, right? Give me the bright setting. And as I walk through the church, all of a sudden, even though there's some darkness, I, I'm not fearful anymore because I can see. Like I said a second ago, I think often as we're living our lives, when Satan begins to try to cloud our lives, 
with lies, with things that aren't true. It can be dark. It can be scary. It can be even hard to see. I think about, uh, I don't know, what was it Thanksgiving or maybe the night before that was super foggy. I don't know if it was in y'all's neighborhood, but it was crazy foggy. Um, and that's how Satan's lies can feel dark and foggy. You can't, see, you can't see clearly. But the reality is, as Christians, all of us have a tool, if you will, that we can use to help push back the darkness, to push back Satan's lies so that we can see clearly. I think it's something, again, as a Christian, we all have it. It's something that we, we forget, we overlook, we, we, um, we take, you, uh, take for granted. <laughs> Do you want to know what it is? Do you want to know what it is? Big moment. Should have got Tony up here. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. <laughs> you know what it is? It's the gospel. <gasps> it's not what you were thinking, was it? <laughs> the gospel. I mean, these are something, these are two things we don't put together very often. How does the gospel help me fight, help me push back Satan's lies? Or maybe even to like be more specific, how does the cross of Jesus, how does the cross help me fight Satan's lies? How, how does it help me push back Satan's lies? I think if we can learn to put those two together, it'll be a game changer in the daily fight against Satan's lies. This morning, we're going to be kind of, kind of all over in the book of Romans. I mean, we'll look at one passage at a time. Um, but we're just going to clearly, I hope, <laughs> look and see gospel truths. And I want to, in this moment today, try to help us apply those to our fight against Satan's lies. So if y'all would pray with me, we're going to dive in. Jesus, thank you for this church and what a cool opportunity we get to, to come together and to study your word. God, thank you that you gave us a book that we can actually hold. <laughs> it's very concrete. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray this morning that you would be lifted up that you would give us ears to hear. God, that your word would penetrate our hearts, our minds. Lord, that you would give me a humility. God, that all of us would have a hunger to hear from you. If you would, just take a moment right where you're at just to pray and ask God to speak to you this morning. And if you would, ask that he would speak through me. God, we love you. We look forward to what you're going to do. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to start off this morning. And what I want to do, uh, we're going to move at a pretty good pace, which you're like, bro, you always talk fast. <laughs> move at a pretty good pace. And we're going to look at four different ways I think the gospel, the cross, helps us fight Satan's lies, helps us fight the false ideas. So Romans chapter 5, and we're going to, we're going to jump in in verse 6. And just to give you a little bit of context, uh, up to this point, so he, in the beginning of Romans, he talks about like how we're sinners, we're all rebels, we all deserve death, hell, and condemnation, separation from God. And then he begins to lay out how we can be saved, we can be, be made right with God through faith in Christ, that God actually puts on us the righteousness of Jesus when we place our faith 
in Christ. And then in verses five, uh, sorry, chapter five, verses one through five, he talks about the benefits of justification by faith. And, and towards the end of that passage, he talks about how God's love has been poured into our hearts. And then kind of expounding on that idea, verse six, he says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. Raise your hand if you're us. Amen, good. For us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, so been made right by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled, so brought into a right relationship with him. By the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Here's the first thing I want you to see, the first truth here. The cross reminds me that God loves me even at my worst. <laughs> the cross reminds me that God loves me even at my worst. Romans 5, 8, that's a great verse to memorize if you don't have it memorized. While we were still what? What's the blank there? Sinners. I don't, sorry, I don't know what's going on there. My beard is attacking the microphone maybe, I don't know. <laughs> While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So before you had put your best foot forward, Christ died died for you, even at your worst, even while you were still a God hater. Think about this. For everyone in this room, unless you're really, really old and I don't realize it, Christ died before you were even born, knowing how messed up you and I would be, knowing all the evil, nasty thoughts you would have, knowing all the messed up words you would say, all the, all the jealous or slanderous words you would say, knowing all the evil things that you would do with your body. He still died for you, even though you were a sinner. He loved you at your lowest point. Question, does that change when you get saved? Does he say, now that you're Christian, I'm only going to love you when you get it right? Is that true? No. <laughs> the cross reminds me that God loves me even at my worst. To help us think through this a little bit, this is the opposite of dating. So when you're in a dating relationship, you put your best foot forward, or at least you should. Like, I'm not encouraging you to be fake, but you should, like, you should try, right? You should, you should give it some effort. Some of you are like, maybe that's what I've been doing wrong. No, I'm kidding. Um, but you should put your best foot forward. <laughs> so I could think of, say some examples, but I shouldn't. Okay. Anyways, um, when it comes to the gospel, all right, let me go back to that illustration just for a second. Isn't it funny how once like, you get married or whatever, after you've been dating, engaged, finally get married, isn't it funny how after a few years of marriage, maybe even a few months, like, you're still in love and you still like the person, like everything's great, but there's some things that you're like, I didn't really see that side of you when we were dating. You know what I'm talking about? I see some laughing. <laughs> like, I, this is what I wasn't going to say. I'm going to say it now. Like, my wife would probably tell you, Brandon, when we were dating, you didn't appear to be very gassy. <laughs> 
But now something, something's changed, right? Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> if my wife is here, she'd be going, amen. <laughs> too far, too far. <laughs> yeah, we, we, there's like, oh, I didn't see that side of you. With the gospel, it's the opposite. God loved us before we even tried to put our best foot forward, right? There's no surprise with God. It's not like we come into this relationship and a year or two into your being saved and being a child of God, he's like, you know what? You're kind of sinful. I, I didn't really see that in you before. He's like, no, no surprises here. I knew from the beginning of time how sick and messed up you were. But in spite of that, I chose to give myself for you on the cross. <laughs> God loves you even at your worst. So that means <laughs> because of that, don't run from him when you, man, I sinned, I messed up. Gosh, don't buy the lie that, oh, you should run away from God because you sinned. No, the cross tells you that, but yes, even though you're a mess, or should I say, because you're a mess, you should run to God when you sin. Because the cross proves that, yes, your sin is a big deal. How big is your sin? How messed up is it? God had to die for it. Your sin is really gross and messed up. But in spite of that, he loved you to the point of death on the cross. So he's saying, hey, I came because you're a mess. So come to me. Run to me. Run to him because he loves you at your worst. Don't buy the lie. I think when we sin, when we fall, like, I don't want to say a mistake because sin is often just blatant rebellion against God. But when we sin... We buy the lie that there's this fine print at the cross that, well, you know, God loves you, but by the way, this lie comes from Satan or maybe your flesh sometimes, but the lie is, well, you, you sinned, you messed up, and really, like, the cross only forgives so much. You, you've, you've sinned so much now, maybe you should just give up and turn away from God. He wants you, he wants nothing to do with you. That's the fine print that Satan tries to tell us is at the cross. Let me tell you, there is no fine print at the cross, <laughs> If anything, there is big, bold letters that say, it is finished. God loves you at your worst. The cross reminds you of that. Don't let Satan sell you some lie that God loves you when you get it all right. Or, man, I woke up at, on time this morning, didn't even hit snooze, read, read my Bible. God loves me today. No, God loves you every day if you're in Christ. I think another lie that, that Satan wants to throw at us is that we're the only ones, or you're the only one <laughs> who has struggles, who, who feels fickle in your relationship with God sometimes. The Bible would tell you different. Flip over to chapter 7. So first point, God loves me even at my worst. Let's look here in chapter 7. So we're going to pick up in verse 13. And up to this point, he's been talking a little bit about the law and the role of the law even in the believer's life. So chapter 7, verse 13. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I don't understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. No, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For 
I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Does Paul sound a little crazy there? Yes. <laughs> like, it's kind of fun to read. I think you should, like, kind of smile when you read it. Because it's, it, he's, this is what I want to do, but I don't do it. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Who was that? Was that, like, was that, was that Judas? No, who was that? Paul. Paul's saying, man, I'm still messed up. I go back and forth, back and forth, back and, snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> Between. <laughs> Sorry. Between what I should do, what I know God wants me to do, and, and my sinful flesh. Nah! <laughs> do you ever feel that way? Amen, I would say. <laughs> what, what, is wrong with, what is wrong with me today? Like, why, why am I choosing sin? When I, in my gut, I also feel like I want to pursue Christ. So just a quick note. Like, you're not the only one that struggles with that. Paul struggled with that. Keep reading. We're not, we're not there yet. Verse 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. Man, isn't that a, such a great like picture there? That you, <laughs> man, oh, what's this again? So think about this. I think a perfect example of that. You wake up, wake up in the morning, and you're feeling not like P did. You're feeling like Paul. You wanna, you wanna get in the Word, and so you've got your Bible there, and you've got your. This is not a phone, but you've got your phone there, and you want to do right, get in the Word, but evil lies close at hand. <laughs> You're like, but I could check the score. I could see how bad my Seminoles got beat by Richard's Gators, right? Like, I'm not saying your phone is evil, but how often we want to do the right thing and temptation lies there at hand. Verse 22, I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, so his body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thank God is not a rhetorical question. What does he say? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> He's saying, man, I am messed up. I want to do the right thing, but I don't. I am a sick person. I still struggle with sin. Who's going to deliver me? What's the answer? Or, yeah, who is the answer, I should say? Jesus Here's the second thing I want us to see. The cross reminds me that God will deliver me from me. <laughs> I think so often as I'm reading, uh, I love reading chapter 7. It's, it's just fun to read, I think. It, it, you really do get the impression that Paul's like, man, my, I'm my own worst enemy. Like I, he's saying, I'm struggling with me. I, I, I feel schizophrenic and like wanting to sin and not wanting to sin and wanting to pursue Christ and not wanting to pursue Christ. Wanting to read my Bible then not wanting to read my Bible. Ah, who's going to help me? Who's going to deliver me? The answer is Jesus. Jesus is our deliverer. Satan tries to give us this lie that, man, you're, you're just stuck. Like you're never going to grow past this sin. Like you're, you're always and forever you're just going to be a mess. And here's the reality. On this side of eternity, we are, we are always going to struggle with sin. But ultimately, we have a deliverer 
who is bigger than what we feel stuck in, and he will deliver us from us. <laughs> I think we begin to experience that now, even on this earth, because we've been justified, made right with God. We're in the process of sanctification, being made more and more like Christ. So more and more, he's delivering us from us. And ultimately, we will finally and forever be delivered from our wretchedness when we enter heaven. Amen? <laughs> That's going to be a good day. But here's the deal. We get stuck and feel hopeless and forget. The problem is we forget that we have a deliverer. Uh, Carrie and Stephanie Richie were kind enough to invite us over uh, to their house on Thanksgiving. And at one point, I had this little den area. I was in there with um, Caroline Tate. We were playing, or she was playing. I was watching. And uh, she, uh, I guess I'd, I don't know what I was doing, but got distracted for a second. And I hear her cry, and I look over, and they've got this basket full of toys. And remember, they're, they're still pretty... Uh, small, but you know, yay, ta, yay tall. And she <laughs> was trying to get a toy in the bottom of this basket, but in so she's not quite tall enough. So in so doing, she kind of flipped over where her head and hands were in the basket, but couldn't quite touch. Her feet were dangling in the air and her belly was just stuck on the edge of the basket, <laughs> which if I had really good dad skills, I would have got a picture first, right? <laughs> but I didn't. I just went and got her. But she was crying because she was she was stuck. She, she felt torn between, I want to get stuff in the basket, but she's also realizing she can't reach it. Maybe it would be better if her feet were on the ground, right? So I had to deliver her. <laughs> Y'all, on our own, like, we are a mess. <laughs> we are stuck in a lot of ways. But when you cry out, you have a deliverer, you have a father who can deliver you from you and the mess that you've got stuck in. We often say, man, and this is a good thing to say. We've been talking with a buddy this morning. Like, it's, you should say, when you're not doing okay, you should say, man, I'm not doing okay. Because often we're not doing okay. Often we feel stuck in our sinful ways. But you know what this passage reminds us? That we have a deliverer, and Jesus, last time I checked, is doing just fine. <laughs> so maybe we should start saying, I'm not okay, but Jesus is Okay. So often we, we feel stuck in our sin, in our struggles, our fear, our anxiety, and the lie, the lies that Satan's throwing at us. And we don't have to be fake. We can say, hey, I'm not okay, but y'all, let's finish that sentence and say, I'm not okay, but Jesus is okay, and I know he's my deliverer. He's good. He's faithful. The cross, first of all, reminds me that God loves me even at my worst. Second thing, the cross reminds me that God will deliver me from me. If you keep reading through chapter 8, he ultimately, after kind of, again, talks about being justified, being sanctified, and ultimately we're going to, and starting in verse like 18 through uh, 25 or 24, even he talks about the hope we have in Christ that one day we will be glorified, we will be made like Jesus and get to spend eternity with him in heaven. We won't struggle anymore. But verse 25, he says, we hope for what we do not see in we wait with patience. So he's saying, we hope for this ultimate glory, ultimately being with Christ, but right here, we got to wait patiently. Verse 26, or uh, yeah, 26, talking about this time we're still here. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, 
all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What is that purpose? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And before I, I tell you what I think the, the truth is here, I want you to see, what, what is the good, that ultimately, what is the purpose, what is the good is to be what? To be made like Christ, right? To be, made, be conformed to the image of Jesus. So, the good is that God wants to work in our life is not just like getting what I want, things going my way, always having a happy ending, though ultimately they do in heaven. The good is that I'm made more like Christ. That said, and I'm, I'm gonna, this may not seem like a connection at first, but I promise I'll show you. The cross, the third thing, the cross reminds me that God works all things for good. The cross reminds me that God works all things for good. Now, as I uh, expected, we don't get too excited about that one. One, because we've heard it so much. It's on every coffee mug. Not every coffee mug, but it's on coffee mugs. It's something we say. People have abused that. Let me, let me just like carve out a little side note here. When someone goes through a hard time, or they're struggling, please don't ever just tell them, man, God works all things for good. Like if they slap you, you probably deserve that, okay? Just because it's true doesn't mean that's like what they need to hear at that exact moment. Grace and truth, right? <laughs> so when someone's struggling in the midst of a difficulty, if they say that, if they say, man, I know God works all things for good, you can say amen. But you don't always need to be the first one to tell them when they're in the middle of their pain. Are you with me? Like it's a little like, again, there's a come a time to say that. But often I think, or Perhaps the reason many of us don't get excited about this truth is because we've been abused by it and be, been beat up by it. <laughs> but I think another thing is we, we forget that the good is to be made like Christ, to be more like Jesus. I think this truth will get me more excited the more that I fall in love with Jesus and want to be like him, right? <laughs> If I'm not really like in love with Jesus and don't think he's amazing, then this truth doesn't get me excited. But the more I'm like in awe of Jesus and just and want to be like him, then when God tells me, hey, God can you, not can, he will use all things for the good of those who love him to be made like Christ, man, let's go. I want some of that. Man, what are some illustrations of this? I love in the book of Genesis, chapter, I think it's chapter 50, I think that's right. Anyways, when, uh, so Joseph is there with his brothers, his dad, uh, died eventually. And so his brothers, they're, now they're scared that their dad is gone, that he's going to turn on and be like, you little jerks, you sold me into slavery. So they go to him, they're like bound before him. Joseph, please, please, please have mercy on us. And he says, look, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. <laughs> there were years, like maybe, I don't know if decades, I, I'm not, I didn't study that, but a lot of time, <laughs> at least years, of Joseph struggling, him not knowing what the good was, but eventually Joseph got to see what the good was. You may not know what the good is right now, but it's possible that later in your life, you look back 20 years from now and go, man, I see how God used that for good. Man, I think about in Daniel, this is kind of immediate, but remember Daniel was uh, praying to God, even though 
They had made a rule. You can't pray to any other, quote, God than the king. And he's praying. And these men who I think were really like uh, motivated by Satan's powers <laughs> and uh, satanic demonic powers said, hey, we're going to get Daniel thrown in the lion's den. Right? We, they caught him praying, turn him in. Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. It's not really a good thing, right? Good situation. God showed up in a huge way, rescued him from the lions. And when he was pulled out, what did King Darius, what did he say? Paraphrase, there's no God like Daniel's God. <laughs> there's, there's no one like him. Think about, I don't want to get into politics, but think about, let's just not go there. Okay. <laughs> How transformative can, transformative can it be for a king a ruler of a country from his gut to say, there's no God like the God of the Bible. <laughs> Pretty transformative, right? If the ruler can really, really mean that. I think about in the book of Acts, they killed Stephen, hoping it would stop the gospel. Seems pretty detrimental to the Christian movement. But you know what? God used that to spread Christians not, so they left Jerusalem. They went to Judea and to Samaria. They started carrying out the Great Commission. God used what the, the worldly powers wanted to use to stop the gospel. God used it to spread the gospel. God used, uses all things for good. But y'all, remember the point is the cross reminds us that God used all things for good. What's the connection there? There's no better picture. There's no better demonstration that God uses all things for good than the cross. <laughs> that was the lowest, most wicked, most evil thing that ever happened in human history, yet it was the greatest display of God's love ever shown. <laughs> God used the most wicked, sinful thing and actually from that event brought salvation to the world. <laughs> When you doubt, man, does God use all things for good? Absolutely look to the cross. He uses all things for good. So, man, because of that, when things are tough, when things are difficult, I want to lean into God and say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you. I, I'm going to follow you. I, I, I want to pursue you. I want to I be faithful. I want to be patient because I know you work all things for good. I want to cling to you. And in that moment, when you try to say that, your flesh and, and probably Satan is going to whisper in your ear, yeah, but how is, he, how is he using this difficult situation for good? How is he using this heartache for good? Like, you can't see it. And when you have that thought in your head, when that is whispered in your ear, you can say, right, that's the point, because I'm not God. <laughs> my job is not to explain, here's how all this perfectly fits together. No, my job is to trust God. <laughs> He's God. I'm not I'm going to cling to him. Whether he shows me now or doesn't show me till eternity, I'm going to trust that he works all things for good. So three things so far. Cross reminds me that God loves me even at my worst. Cross reminds me that God will deliver me from me. And the cross reminds me that God works all things for good. Do you sense as we're, as we're going through these, how if you preach these to yourself, it would equip you to live a more victorious life over Satan's lies. I, the biggest one may be this fourth one in the aspect of a victorious life. Jump down to verse 31. It's really picking up where we left off. What then 
shall we say to these, excuse me, to these things? These things he's talking about, all these been talking about in Romans, that we were sinful, wicked, rebellious sinners, but God, in spite of that, has shown us grace. He came and died for us and offered us salvation if we'll turn to him. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? So let me, quick thought there. So if someone, he's saying, who can, who can charge God's elect? Who can charge the chosen ones of God? Who can charge believers? So if someone comes and says, I'll pick on Wilson for a second. Love you, bro. If someone comes and says, Wilson, man, I saw you do this. Like, maybe you're not a Christian. You could reply, uh, excuse me. Where'd I go? Sorry. <laughs> it is God who justifies. So you can say, excuse me, sir. It's not me who makes myself right with God. It's Jesus Christ. So go ahead and charge me all you want. You could, like, I would say this if someone said, Brandon, I've noticed this sin in your life. You're a pretty messed up person. I would be like, is that all you see, bro? Like, there's a lot more there, I promise. It's not me who justifies, it's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? So someone condemns you, says, something with the wicks today. Miss Channing, you know, uh, you're condemned. There's no hope for you. She could say, uh, you know what? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So it's not me who's trying to keep myself right with God. Christ Says there's, uh, the scripture says there's no condemnation in Christ. He's my hope. He's my salvation. So you can't condemn me. I know I messed up. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So he says, what can separate you from the love of Christ? And he says, and by the way, as Christians, we're going to face difficulty. He says, we're like sheep going to the slaughter. Man, we live in the, probably the one place on the planet that we don't feel that tension all the time. But our brothers and sisters around the world would say, yeah, living for Christ, it feels like we're sheep going to the slaughter. There's difficulty. There's hardship all the time. So he says, yeah. We're going to face difficulties, but listen to this, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it says, you know what? Bring on the hardship, bring on the trials. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Amen. <laughs> you know what the, the argument, I'm going to give you the fourth one in a second, I promise. You know what the argument he he bases all this on that, man, I can trust that no matter what, God's got my back, that no matter what hardship, his love will be with me. It goes back to verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's kind of his argument, or excuse me, the point. But here's his, um, what's the word here? His, his argument or his, his proof, that's the word. Verse 32, he who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He's saying, 
God came to the earth and died for us. His track record proves he's got my back. <laughs> his, tracker, his track record proves that he is for me. So no, matter what, so, sorry. so no matter what I face, I can trust that he's got my back, that he is for me. And I'm going to come through on the other side. Even if I face death itself, nothing will separate me from him. So what's the fourth thing? The cross reminds me, it's a little longer, the cross reminds me that I will ultimately be victorious. The cross reminds me that I will ultimately be victorious because God is for me. <laughs> so not, this is not your best life now. This is not like, man, everything, everything is great. Like, here on this earth. No, we're going to face hardship. But ultimately, whether on this earth or, but without a doubt, when I get to heaven, I will be victorious. I will be more than a conqueror because God has got my back and nothing can separate me from his love. So listen to this. <laughs> your anxiety, your fear, your worry that may be caused by the lie Satan's throwing at you, it has an expiration date. You will one day be separated from it. When you get to heaven, you're not going to get to heaven's gates, which I don't know how it exactly works. You're not going to get to heaven's gates and be like, oh, man, I still have this anxiety. You're going to be like, it gone. <laughs> you know what you are still going to have when you get to heaven's gates? You're going to have the love of God because nothing can separate you from his love. So I don't have to walk around in fear of like, man, what if I never, what if I never get past that? You know what? You may... To the day you die, no, let's rephrase that. You are, there are gonna be certain things that you struggle with to the day you die. I'm not like cursing, I'm not saying what those things are. They'll probably change over time. But to the day you die, you're gonna have struggles. But when you die, your struggles will end. <laughs> but God's love for you will what? That will not end. Because <laughs> nothing can separate you from his love. And if you're struggling with that, Look at his track record. I didn't do this, but just to give you an example, how, think about how foolish this would have been. <clears throat> so Lauren and I, April, will be mar uh, nine years we've been married. And I remember when we got married, so she had grown up, lived in the same house. Uh, we got married when she, we were 25. She lived in the same house all 25 years. Um, man, had friends, like actually the friend that introduced us, Brittany, uh, her and Lauren had gone to elementary school together, and they, they're still friends to this day. Had all her, went to college in Jacksonville. All her friends, all, literally like all her family, right there in Jacksonville, had a great job she worked at. Let me, let me time out for a second. We love Lubbock. This is home now. Not trying to beat up on Lubbock. But, so, she was like 15, 20 minutes from the beach. Um, when we got married, she, she left all of that willingly. There was no forcing involved. <laughs> willingly to, to come out and to be with me. Because, you know, to be married, like, it helps out if you're in the same state and stuff. And so um, she willingly did that. Like, I knew, like, I'm still aware. Like, again, she loves, this is home now, has tons of friends here, loves her job, all that stuff. We love Lubbock except for when the wind blows. <laughs> or it always blows. When it blows really bad. <laughs> Anyways, how... Stupid! How foolish would it have been when she got out here for me to be like, I, I don't know, Lauren. Like, you say you love me, 
I just don't know if you're really in this. Like, I don't know if you're, like, are you sure you're, you're for me? You're, you you, you want to be married? If I had done that, she could have easily said, Brandon, I literally left everything I know to come out here to be with you. <laughs> How many of us, oh, God, I don't know if you're for me. Like, I'm struggling. Do you really love me? And Jesus would say, I left heaven's glory, <laughs> heaven's splendor to come and to rescue you. You can trust that I'm for you. You can trust that I've got your back. You can trust that I not only love you, like I like you. <laughs> Made possible by the cross. And he's for you. I think probably that if I could sum all these up, that the cross reminds me that uh, God loves me even at my worst. The cross reminds me that God will deliver me from me. The cross reminds me um, that God works all things for good. And the cross reminds me that I will ultimately be victorious because God is for me. I think if I could sum all those up into one little statement, it's this. God is, he is, if you're a Christian, if you know Christ, he is for you. He's for you. Think about that. The God of the universe loves you, sees you, cares about you. He's for you. If you're in Christ, that's, you get to experience that. So next time, Satan comes to you and trying to whisper, uh, you're not loved, you need to fear, no one has your back. You can say, uh, not that I normally encourage like talking to Satan, but you can say, excuse me, Mr. Satan, with no due respect, you can go back to where you came from because God is for me <laughs> and he's got my back. So Satan, whatever you want to try to throw at me, you can try, but I've got my light with me, the light of the gospel. And it reminds me that God is for me. So what do I have to fear? What do I have to be afraid of? God is for, for me. If you don't know Christ this morning, God, you could say, would like to be for you. <laughs> you can experience that. You can experience salvation, forgiveness, hope, purpose. You can experience God being for you you'll turn to him for salvation. How do you do that? Romans says that you believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead. So you believe that he lived a perfect life, he died for you, and he rose again. Believe, believe in the gospel. Believe that you're a sinner in need of a savior. And you confess him as Lord. So not just say some prayer, but like, Jesus, I want you, I confess you are the God of the universe. You are the hope of the world. And I'm con con confessing you as Lord, me which means I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to turn to you to follow you as my Lord and Savior. It says that when you do that, you will be what? Saved. <laughs> You'll be saved. And when you do that, then you can experience God being for you. So if you don't know Christ, I would invite you to come to him this morning to, to ma really make that your prayer of saying, God, I believe in you your life, death, and resurrection, and I'm confessing you as Lord. And you don't have to talk to a pastor to do that, but if you want to talk to a pastor, after uh, when we begin to sing in a moment, we'll be back in that back by the welcome y'all sign, or also by the coffee area. And if you're like, hey, I, I, I just accepted Christ, or I, I want to talk about that more, we'd love to do that. But to talk to believers for just a moment, and we'll be, I'll be done. So many of us as Christians, we kind of live in this 
2% world. What I mean is, we believe, yeah, like 98%, yeah, God is for me. But we have this little, like, nook in our lives that we're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Pretty messed up. Like, I'm not sure God loves me. I'm not sure God is for me. And that 2% weighs us down. And that 2% is just enough of a crack in the door for Satan to push through and to begin to speak things that aren't true to us. I don't know if God really loves you. I don't know if that can be forgiven. I don't know if there's really hope for you. I don't know if you can really grow past this situation. And we, we live under the weight and the burden of that 2%. I want to invite you this morning to realize, or maybe to remember, that the cross proves to you that God is 100% in love with you and for you. <laughs> the 2% doesn't have to control you. Walk in the freedom and in the hope of knowing that there are no ifs or buts in the gospel. <laughs> I love you if you do this. Just don't do that. But if you do that, I won't love you anymore. Nah. Cross proves he's all in. Some of you this morning, you're feeling weighed down by that 2%, and, and maybe you are living under kind of the shadow, the darkness, the burden of, of fear, anxiety, and worry that are caused by Satan's lies. I want you this morning to look at the gospel, and God has already worked on your behalf. He's already brought you freedom and salvation if you know Christ, and to trust this morning that he can do it again. <laughs> he can bring freedom again in your life. I'm going to pray and we'll sing together. God, thank you for the cross and the hope that it provides. Lord, I pray that for Christians this morning that are living in that 2% of fear and worry and doubting your view of them, God, that you would erase that 2%, God, that they would be overwhelmed by your grace, by your love, by your mercy made possible by the cross, demonstrated in the cross. And Lord, for folks who don't know you, maybe even as we sing this song, they would repent from their sins and turn to you and ask for salvation, God. And we know Romans says that for those who call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. God, we trust that you will move during this time of response. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of The Venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to The Venue Podcast.